Fifth Avenue. A hundred yards away. music, entertainment. It is the medium of the times, and it carries the message. It's at the 25th island of Greece. That sentence probably made no sense to you because it is out of context. You heard it in the middle of a video. It's a conversation that was taking place way before you even clicked on this thing, but let's take that same concept and carry it over to radio where the radio waves are constantly on, streaming the vibration from station to speaker to ear to brain. The Mercury, Mercury Theater on the air. The Mercury Theater was, at the time, world famous. They take 14 weeks and adapt their otherwise theatrical performances into the audio-only radio format. The main producer of the radio show is an up-and-coming young man by the name of Orson Welles. In, a single year, in the next few decades, he'll be responsible for some huge films, but that's not where we're going just now. So far, everything that the Mercury Theater on Air has broadcast has captured the imagination of those who lend their ears. Their recent performance of Dracula drove fear into listeners as the brutal sound of a stake being stabbed through the heart of the dark vampire reverberates. A sound effect recorded by Wells himself. Watermelon. Hammer. The broadcasting system and rubriated stations present Orson Wells and the Mercury Theater on the Air in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. The new show is starting now. I heard from one of the columns that it's based on a book that's been adapted from Britain. Let's listen in. Not much change in temperature. A slight atmospheric disturbance of undetermined origin is reported over Nova Scotia, causing a low-pressure area to move down rather rapidly over the northeastern states. Here is where the medium, that simple medium of airwaves to brainwaves, is bent. Since it's just one medium, one format, that real-world news and fantasy world entertainment are essentially leveled, this young producer has the bright idea to blend fact and fiction. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. From the Meridian Room in the Park Plaza Hotel in New York City, we bring you the music of Raymond Raquello and his orchestra. The show is intercut with seemingly real-sounding radio reports that start off fantastical, an explosion on Mars. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. At 20 minutes before 8 central time, Professor Farrell of the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. Then grow more plausible, a mysterious object found in a farmer's field. Uh, what would you say, Professor Pearson? What's that? Uh, what would you say, uh, what's the diameter of this? About 30 yards. About 30 yards. The metal on the sheath is, well, I've never seen anything like it. The color is sort of... Yellowish white. Then the stakes are raised. Ladies and gentlemen, my on? Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, here I am, back of a stone wall that adjoins Mr. Wilmer's garden. From here, I get a sweep of the whole scene. 
I'll give you every detail as long as I can talk and as long as I can see. The more state police have arrived. They're drawing up a cordon in front of the pit. About 30 of them. It's the 25th island of Greece all over again because people are tuning in at random times, hearing what should be entertainment radio hour, but instead hearing... Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed a message that came in from Grover's Mill by telephone. Just one moment, please. At least 40 people, including six state troopers, lie dead in a field east of the village of Grover's Mill. Futile attempts by the military to subdue a looming threat. This is both reporting to Commander Fairfax Langham Field. Hey! This is Bayonne, New Jersey, calling Langham Field. Hopelessness. Bayonne, New Jersey, calling Langham Field. Come in, please. The end of the world. Don't you hear a ringing to warn the people to evacuate the city as Martians approach? Here, a reporter on the rooftop is saying the war machines are throwing poisonous gas. A, a hundred yards away. It's, it's 50 feet. Then, a commercial break. But this break comes way later than usual because it just so happens that the War of the World broadcast is unsponsored. Meaning, they can choose when they want to schedule their breaks. And so rather than scheduling the show around the breaks, they decide to push the break back, give the viewer a better listening experience, right? But when usually a commercial would appear a few minutes in, this one occurs 50 minutes after, resulting in a perfect recipe for... After the break, the show continues in the standard radio play format. There's sound effects. And silent. Actors. Under the dawn of that last... Then the story ends. Great day. This was only the beginning. See, during the show, a supervisor at CBS receives a telegram ordering that the show be interrupted and its fictional facade be clarified. But by now, it's too late because there's a crowd of policemen outside storming the studio. And a struggle is ensuing. Between the page boys, the broadcasters, and the suits attempting to prevent the cops from shutting down the whole thing. All the while, the phones are ringing off the hook. In a quote from one of the studio employees, the following hours were a nightmare. Meanwhile, in the town of Concrete, Washington, total chaos. See, while the broadcast was happening, an ill-timed electrical grid shut down, causing a seemingly fourth wall break between the climax of fear caused by fictional radio waves and now this very real-world event happening. So hundreds of people are rushing to stores for supplies, clamoring in the streets, mass panic until... If you think this is an exaggeration, it's only a little while ago that I again ran into some workers, some, some, some welfare workers, Quakers and Red Cross people who had been up in the Black Hills of Dakota some five or six weeks after this broadcast, persuading the people to leave the mountains and go back home because... Martians really hadn't come. And so did you, like, did you at all suspect that, that people would believe it? In fact, we weren't as innocent as we meant to be when we did the Martian broadcast. We were fed up. 
with the way in which everything that came over this new magic box, the radio, was being swallowed. People, you know, do suspect what they read in the newspapers and what people tell them, but when the radio came, and I suppose now television, anything that came through that new machine was believed. This, to me, is an interesting peek into our history because it directly played into the fears of a populace already on edge. World War II. And the Munich crisis was at its height. People were tuning in day and night to hear reports from boots on the ground, accusation after accusation, threat by threat, the type of radio waves so masterfully captured by the media to draw the viewer in, would drive even the most level-headed person into wondering if we're at the edge of a new world war, or if it's just another piece of a that the explosions on Mars are undoubtedly nothing more than severe volcanic disturbances on the surface of the planet. We continue now with our piano interlude. 